You are listening to the Through the Bible Studio Series with Pastor Nate Holdridge. Join us as we continue our study through the New Testament book of Revelation. Here's Nate. Now, as we've been moving through the book of Revelation, we come here to the 18th chapter. And as I shared with you in chapter 17, we really have a two-part section here in Revelation. Revelation 17 and 18 reveals to us this figure called uh, Babylon, this, this city, this figure, this system called Babylon. And in Revelation chapter 17, uh, we're seeing the religious side of Babylon. The, she's called the mother of harlots, the, the one who prostituted uh, herself with the nations and dominated uh, the world. And so it seems from the 17th chapter that God is giving us an insight into the worldwide uh, religious philosophies that seek to pervert the gospel present something other than the gospel, or even seek to imitate the gospel at times, as we saw with the original uh, Babel and uh, the original uh, characters there. And so in chapter 18 now, we're still with Babylon. That's the thing. We are still with Babylon, but the tone in chapter 18 is, is entirely secular. Uh, it's not a religious kind of tone. It's a, it's more of a commerce kind of tone. It there's greed involved. There is uh, you know finances involved. There's the buying and selling of goods and wares and even human souls uh, involved in Revelation chapter 18. And so I believe what we're seeing here in this 18th chapter is the flip side of this invisible system that God sees called Babylon in this world. And uh, the flip side of it is not just mere religiosity, but some kind of worldly system, uh, a false commercial system that had dominated uh, so many people. Jesus said in the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13, he said that some seed will be sown upon ground where it's like the stony pathway and the birds of the air will come and eat up that seed that has been sown. And, and to me, as I read of that, uh, you know, Jesus interpreted that and said, well, hey, listen, it's those seeds that are cast on the, the stony ground and the birds of the air, they come and they, they eat it. And those birds are you know, Satan and his forces, they, they, with false religion and false beliefs, they snatch up the potential for the gospel, the word of God in someone's life. But a little bit later, he talks about those who receive the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and they become unfruitful people in uh, their lives. And I think in Revelation 18, we are seeing the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches in their full capacity. And of course, this is a system that Jesus Christ himself is going to judge. And I just simply love how Jesus is going to absolutely destroy the darkness. And so we're reading of the sort of the culmination of these things before we get to the 19th chapter and see the destruction of all of it by Jesus as he comes to rule and to reign as the king of 
the universe. And, you know, Jesus warned us as people to watch out for a desire for worldliness. He, he tells us, you know, that, that we are to be a people who walk in the light, but who do not love the world or the things in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, these things are not of or from the Father, but are from the world. And so there needs to be a guarding against this invisible system. And, and, and before I get into this, I just wanted to say that to me it is shocking at times to discover how naive and clueless so many of God's people are concerning the reality of this system. You know, concerning the reality of this message. Get, 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 greed, greed, greed. And, you know, how many people will prioritize their lives, seemingly, based on the influence of this Babylonian kind of uh, system, this false, worldly, commercial system. And Jesus warned us about that kind of love. All right, so we're, we're coming up to the end of all things, the consummation of all things as we turn to Revelation 18. So in verse 1, John writes and says, After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. So he sees this beautiful angel coming down from heaven with great authority he has, and is bright with glory. And he came out, verse 2, uh, and he called out with a mighty voice and said this, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird. I talked to you about the birds of the air. A haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. And so there it is. We're beginning to see uh, this other side of this figure, Babylon. Now, of course, the big question here is we're moving into this section that many would ask is, is this a literal city that John is seeing? And, uh, you know, many people do hold to that view that Babylon will be rebuilt and this city will be judged. And perhaps that's an accurate view. But personally, as I read Revelation 18, I don't see a problem with a symbolic system that is presented, that is permeated all of the world. It says the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. And so, so this is what, whatever this is, it, it is a system, a city, a something that is marked by pride, greed, and a selfishly held wealth. And so uh, he cries out against them and declares that they have been judged by the Lord. Then in verse 4 he says, and, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. This is so interesting to me that God cries out 
to his people and implores us to come out from this worldly system. Now, this is one of those exhortations that, you know, at, at this point in human history, in Revelation 18, when, when Babylon, the city, is going to be judged, it, it doesn't seem as if uh, the church is around. This seems to be a moment where God is pausing and parenthetically stating, hey, listen, this system is going to be judged but it is alive and well in your day, people. So please, as my people, come out from uh, it and, and disembark from your relationship with it. I find that so many people live their lives like Lot. You remember Lot? He pitched his tent in the, in the uh, green grass plains of the Jordan. But slowly but surely over time, he began to drift closer and closer to the city of Sodom and in relationship with Sodom and Gomorrah, which were horribly uh, pagan, uh, fallen places. And he began to associate himself to the point that he actually became an elder sitting in the gate of the city of Sodom. And I find that so many people flirt with this worldly system, flirt with uh, a worldly kind of life, just looking exactly like the world, same priorities as the world. And God implores his people, come out of her, lest you take part in her sins and share in her plagues. 4 verse 5, her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her, in the cup she mixed. And so God is eloquently describing the wrath and the judgment upon Babylon. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning. Since in her heart, she says, I sit as queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. Notice the confidence that is found in this system. And, and isn't it interesting how easy it is for a person to place their confidence in finances. You know, to, to trust in what the Bible refers to as the uncertainty of riches. And, you know, someone gets, uh, you know, money in their bank account, they acquire great possessions and wealth, and there's a sense in which they say, I don't have any need whatsoever. Th this woman says, I sit as queen. I am no widow and mourning, you know, weeping. I will never see that kind of confidence. Listen, I, I live and minister in a very affluent culture and society, and I can attest to this reality. I mean, there's a deep need and hunger in every culture and in every class of our society. And the wealthiest of the wealthy have a deep need for the gospel inside of their hearts and still have a God-shaped hole inside of their souls. But the reality, in my experience, is that this is absolutely true. You, you gain a little wealth and the confidence that you have, the lack of need that's there inside of your heart, is so easily expressed. And that's not to say that those who are relatively poor in our culture are 
you know, it's not to say that they're knocking down the doors of the church. I'm just speaking in generalities and saying that there can at times be a hard-heartedness with those who have really trusted and prospered, so to speak, under this system. And, and he goes on to say in verse 8, For this reason, her plagues will come in a single day. It's going to be very fast, death and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, for mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. Notice the rapid pace that this judgment is going to unfold on this financial commercial system. I remember back in 2008 when uh, the stock market began going crazy and people were, you know, really uh, suffering financially. The housing bubble burst and, you know, things didn't get as bad in our nation as I'm sure they could have. But it put us into a very difficult time. And I, you, I remember during that time, so many things happened so rapidly. It seemed as if overnight almost, you know, fortunes were lost. And, and I think that's just a microcosm and a small picture of what is going to happen in a worldwide cataclysmic sense at the time before Jesus returns and fully judges this commercial system. And so, I mean, the application for us today couldn't be plainer. Our trust is in the Lord. We're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto us. And so, uh, you know, this judgment is proclaimed upon this system. And it says on verse 9 that the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her, will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. This is part of the reason why many believe this is a physical city. Personally, I, I think I lean towards and hold to a position where there is a financial commercial system that is destroyed and the smoke of the city burning and the kings weeping over the city that is burning is a symbolic reference. But either way, it says, verse 10, that they will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her since no one buys their cargo anymore. They, they weep because they are financially ruined. Cargo of, verse 12, gold silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, and slaves, that is, human souls. So you notice from this list that these are uh, luxuries, delicacies, uh, for the most part. I mean, perhaps wheat and uh, cattle and sheep are the 
you know, most normal of the entire list, but, but nearly everything else, you know, gold and purple cloth and silk and scarlet cloth and marble and bronze and cinnamon spice and incense, myrrh, you know, all of these things are extras in life. They're not the bare necessities that are being struck by these, uh, you know, in this judgment that these merchants have bought and sold. They're the luxuries of life. They're not the necessities. And, and I think in one sense, it would be good to pause and to say that, listen, there is a cultural, invisible force in some ways called Babylon that is pushing the people of the earth towards luxurious life. There's a thing that pushes us towards the things which are not necessary, but are simply enjoyable. Now, in one sense, you know, you can look at the Garden of Eden and see the, you know, the wonderful life that was lived there, the luxuries that Adam was enjoying, the beautiful life. Uh, but I think you could also say that in the Garden of Eden, it was a simple life in some ways. You know, being satisfied with merely what he needed. And, but in another sense, you could also point to heaven and, and see the, you know, the luxury that will be found there, the great joy that will be found there. But, but the difference with that is that that kind of life is not going to come at the cost of anyone. Uh, there isn't going to be the suppression of some in order to gain that for few. And, uh, you know, I, I say all that just to try to present a little bit of balance because I think, at least in my culture and generation, there have been some who have come along, even in the body of Christ, to decry any kind of wealth or prosperity and to put it all down and to say, no, listen, we should get rid of all of it, live completely sacrificial kinds of lives, this is what Christ would desire for us and want for us. And I'd be the first to admit and confess that, you know, perhaps, you know, the church has become a little too luxurious and all of that. But on the other hand, we live in this world. Uh, we are in the world, yet not of this world. We have bills to pay. We have children to feed and send to school and, and, and all of that. We'd like to leave an inheritance for our children's children, as, as the Proverbs say. I say all that to say I believe there's a warning that's found here, and it's simply this. that We should be a people who are not living beyond our means, and we should be a people who are not enamored and infatuated with the luxuries of life. We should be able to have hearts that are content to live without them. And so that's what's being judged at this moment. And I find it especially detestable here at the end of this list of items that these merchants buy and sell, that this system uh, oversees. There's the selling of slaves, that is human souls. And of course, slavery is an absolute ugly mark upon the history of this world and is very prominent in the day and age and culture that we live in. I find that one area that human souls are bought and sold, that slaves are raised up and created, is in the sex industry, where you've got so many, you know, men, women especially, and young women especially, uh, who are 
you know, drugged and programmed and all of that to, uh, you know, and put in a position of desperation where they must become a sex merchant, basically, in order to create wealth for someone else. And uh, so just a, a horrible industry. And it, this, uh, the, you know, pornography, prostitution, they destroy lives. And, and I think we're seeing this in this system. And I, for one, am so happy that Jesus Christ is going to kill it, that he's going to destroy it. It's absolutely wonderful. In verse 14, this saying is heard, and it says, For the fruit for which your soul longed has gone from you, and all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. You know, these things they set their hopes upon fly away. And really, I think this is a wonderful thing for many of us to remember to today. You know, uh, many of us make such a goal at the pursuit of happiness. But really, the second that you pursue your own happiness, you've lost out on any chance to be happy. Uh, when you simply pursue the Lord and his desires for your life, there's a joy that comes. As a byproduct, you are satisfied and made happy. These people, though, pursued their happiness through wealth and delicacies and ease of life, and they lost it. And the merchants of these wares, verse 15, who gained wealth from her, will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Alas, alas, verse 16, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels and with pearls, for in a single hour all this wealth has been laid waste, brought to nothing. Absolutely no satisfaction found here. Laid waste in just one hour. I think of the words of Jesus. He diagnosed the human condition. And he said, listen, all who are thirsty, come to me and drink. Believe in me, come to me and drink. And out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And John said in John chapter 7 that this Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit, whom he had not yet given because he himself had yet to be glorified. But there is the beauty and the reality that you know, we don't have to turn to all of this stuff that's found in this system to find satisfaction in our hearts. We can turn to the Lord. I'm always fascinated with the words of Paul in Philippians chapter 4 when he talked to the Philippian church and he was really thanking them. The book of Philippians is a thank you letter for the wonderful gifts that the Philippian church gave to Paul and to his ministry, their financial support of his ministry. And he tells them as he's reminiscing about it, he says, you know, listen, I, I, I'm so thankful for it, but you have to understand, I, I've learned really how to be abased and I've learned how to abound. You know, I've learned how to live a life of contentment and I've learned how to live a life, uh, you know, of just being satisfied in whatever state I'm in, he said. I've learned to be content. And he said, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, we often rip that verse out and apply it to, you know, really anything in life, which we can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But Paul was specifically 
saying that in connection with contentment. I can be content in every situation through Jesus who strengthens my life. And I've often been so fascinated with that declaration from Paul. Just being good, just being satisfied, just being okay with whatever God decides to commit and entrust into my hands. It's an impressive state of being and it only comes when you've turned to Christ and the living water of his spirit is flowing from your life. So it says in verse 17 that all the shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors and all whose trade is on the sea stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning, what city was like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads as they wept and mourned. This is a biblical sign of, of mourning and, and uh, you know, uh, just depression over something that has occurred, crying out, alas, alas, for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth. For in a single hour she's been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. Again, I cannot be more pleased that Jesus is going to destroy all of this. We're told in verse 20 to rejoice uh, over this destruction. And we will. We will be singing with such glee at the reality that all this ugliness is done. Then a mighty angel, verse 21, took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, so will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. And so this angel comes and throws a millstone into the sea and says, listen, just in the same way I've thrown this big millstone into the sea, so will Babylon, the great city, this woman that rides the beast, this city, this system, they will be thrown into the sea with great violence. And the sound of harpists and musicians of flute players and trumpeters will be heard in you no more. No more of your music, which has so influenced the world. I hope you as a Christian understand that music is preaching. Music is communicating a message. And I hope you have the discernment to figure out the messages that are being preached in all music. And some of it good, some of it bad, but be discerning. And he says, and a craftsman of any craft will be found in you no more. And the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more. No more development. And the light of a lamp will shine in you no more. And the voice of bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. For your merchants were the great ones of the earth. And all nations were deceived by your sorcery. Which, by the way, uh, I believe begins with Drug use, medicinal abuse, leading to magic and witchcraft, getting into sorcery, which I'm seeing a rise in even uh, today as I speak in this culture. And in her was found, verse 24, the blood of the prophets and of saints and of all who have been slain on the earth. So this false religious system and this uh, false commercial system, they uh, persecuted the body of Christ for generation after generation, 
century after century, even until the present day. And so place your trust not in these systems, but in Jesus Christ and him crucified. Praise God that he is going to judge all of this. God bless you and amen. Thank you for listening. For additional resources and teachings or to contact us, please visit us at nateholdridge.com.